You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me. We are continuing our position group season preview series. If you missed them, we did the quarterbacks, the running backs, and the wide receivers in three separate episodes last week. Uh, This next one is going to be tight ends. It's very specific. It might end up being one of our shorter episodes just because there's fewer players to talk about, but at the same time, uh, still going to be interesting. Same format. We're looking at strengths. We're looking at question marks. We're looking, making some predictions for the room obviously there are written stories of ours uh you know whether it's fall camp intel i actually do have a 3,000 word tight end preview over at the michigan insider.com michigan.247sports.com lots of lots of season preview stuff and beyond just the tight ends as well pretty busy times over over at the michigan insider and so be sure to check out all those stories if you're excited about michigan football so steve the tight end room uh really i mean the strengths Starting there, it's, it's, there's a lot of them. Uh, this is a room that returned everybody. I believe it's actually the only position group that returned everybody, maybe special teams as well. I think this is a top five room in the country. You know, Eric All came on really strong last season, ended up with over 400 receiving yards. Luke Schoonmaker had three touchdowns in the final six or seven games of the season, along with 150 or so receiving yards. You know, Joel Honigford. Carter Sells are two guys who who were pretty significant run blocking threats. I mean, if you look at the snap counts, they were they and and all in Schoonmaker, they were essentially had two tight end tight ends in for the vast majority of Michigan's carries last season, and they were one of the better rushing teams in the country. Uh, they were a part of that Joe Moore award winning offensive line, the way I see it. So so lots of strengths. Steve, what stands out to you maybe looking at other tight end rooms in the country or or past Michigan tight end rooms? What do you think separates this one apart from the pack? Well, it's almost like the receiver room. Uh, Diversity of skill sets is is one of the things that comes to mind for me. But but honestly, I I just think it's it's just the skill and talent of the top two guys. Uh, You know, you could argue that all and Schoonmaker are two of the three best tight ends in the Big Ten heading into the season, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, Sam Laporta is probably the sure. yep. the guy who will get more yardage. He might end up getting the awards as a result. But I don't know that you would take, you know, any of Penn State or Wisconsin's guys right now over overall oh. for sure and maybe over Schoonmaker. Yeah, I mean, you could argue, you know, if maybe a guy like Theo Johnson for Penn State breaks out, could be a guy that, you know, would enter that conversation. We know Penn State's done good at the, at the tight end spot, but – yeah, coming into the year, though, you know, I, I would almost go with those two guys uh, along with Laporta, like you said. So, you know, I just go with the top-heavy, you know, situation. And, and both guys have really come a long way in putting their hand down. Uh, might not be a guy, you know, I, I, I keep going back to the Ohio State game and how fired up Eric all was like throughout the entirety of that game, which made total sense. I, I look, I go back all the way back to when there was that story about him and Joey Velasquez training near not That's even right. at, uh, training near Ohio state and getting a bunch of like, as if, you know, 
where else are you going to go? You can't go anywhere. It was like the middle of the pandemic, like lockdown and stuff. Um, well, they definitely, I mean, they posed for photos outside. The yeah. So stuff, what? But <laughs> Rivalry. Right. But they backed, he backed it up. I was going to say, um, it, it, I'm sure right? Michigan fans love to see that kind of stuff. Absolutely. So. And, and I, I kind of feel like, you know, between his performance against Penn state, where I think they were harping on him about his ankle. He wasn't going to outrun anybody. And then he literally is the guy that scores a game-winning touchdown outrunning multiple defenders on a bum ankle. And then just the way he attacked against Ohio State, uh, gesturing to the crowd, gesturing to the Ohio State fans after every touchdown. Just feel like talking about a guy that really is kind of like really came into his own fully at the end of last year. And, and honestly, depending – Maybe not depending on who wins the quarterback battle, uh, but yeah, like we're talking like Mackey Award potential. I think if if the only thing that's going to hurt him is that Michigan has so many other offensive weapons that he, you know, he like you said, like for Laporta at, for Iowa is going to get a lot more of just the raw stats because they, I mean, they have other guys, but not like Michigan does. Uh, so. I mean, maybe I'm talking myself into, into just the star power at the top of the position. And star power at tight end doesn't mean flashy, uh, huge stats always, uh, but effective and just the best players at their position. You know, I might just go with the, that star power. Yeah, I think Michigan can lean on both of those players in key spots of games. Uh, you know, whether whether you care about the yardage or, or the NFL draft prestige, I, I mean, both of them do have NFL scouts attentions. Uh, you know, that's, that's been written about by us, by others. It's, it, there's a, there's a very real chance that Michigan has two tight ends drafted next spring. Now they have to, they have to show certain things about their game and iron certain things out. But, but in terms of, you know, the length, the strength, the pass, the pass catching ability, uh, the hands, the blocking ability. Yeah. They, there's a, this is a very legitimate, you know, star power. Got to think Georgia wins in terms of who has the most talented tight end room in the country right now. But I, I, I don't know how many other programs I would put ahead of Michigan in terms of NFL caliber tight ends in their position group. My biggest strength is I, I think is this group collectively expanding it to maybe the next the next two guys who played last season. Really good run blocking tight end room. I mean, this was a group that that really played a key role in Michigan running the ball so effectively last season. Eric All, you know, pro football focus, they grade this stuff every snap and everything. Uh, he graded 13th out of 182 power five tight ends in, in run blocking grade for pro football focus. And Carter Selzer, who was probably the number four guy, former walk-on, uh, probably still a, mainly a rotation tight end because he's 6'8", but he was top 40 in that same ranking. And, and in all, Michigan's tight ends played 902 run blocking snaps on Michigan's 575 carries last season. So to me, I mean, that's basically two tight ends in every time Blake Corum or Son Haskins ran the ball. So hard, hard for me to not give the tight ends a lot of credit, you know, for really helping, helping the offensive line and, and the running backs be that effective, you know, dominant run, run game that they were. And, and, and I think the one thing that, where that can be really critical this season, if, if they do air it out as suspected, is they don't have to specialize. They don't have to put a tight end in when 
it's time for a tight end to catch a ball. It's not like they have to put tight end A in when it's third and 10 and a different guy in when it's a running rushing snap. And that's something I think Michigan does better than, in, in my opinion, better than Penn State, better than Georgia, better than some of the other schools that produce the NFL tight ends. At Michigan, they really do teach you how to block. They, they teach you how to block at a, at a draft caliber level, NFL level. That's why even some of Michigan's unheralded tight ends over the years have ended up on NFL rosters. You know, they haven't had a star like Penn State or Georgia have had over the years, but, but they've had a lot of guys who end up on rosters because they know how to block. And I think that's, that's embedded into Michigan's tight end culture. And I, I think that's a big strength taking into the season. I think Joe Hornigford, Carter Selzer, Luke Schoonmaker, Eric All are all players that, that can be valuable to Michigan, even if they're not run, run, running a route, even if they're just blocking. Um, they're that good, and, and that, they have that combination of strength and foot quickness and technique. Um, helps to be experienced. I mean, all of those guys are at least – fourth-year players a couple of them are are fifth-year players so um that helps to have that experience but this is a group that can block really well question marks so steve some of these position groups when we do the previews the question marks are going to be concern areas but i i do question marks because sometimes you don't have a concern area until michigan loses or has some adversity uh sometimes the question marks are curiosities Mine is a curiosity. I'll get to mine in a second. I, I suspect yours is, is something that you're curious about as well. Your biggest question mark for Michigan's tight end room. Yeah, my biggest question. So, so, yeah, we they traveled for most of the year last year, or all year last year, uh, all Schoonmaker, Honigford, Carter Selzer. Uh, curious to know who of that other group, the younger guys, uh, could pass – either Honingford and or Selzer or be the guy to, you know, maybe emerges the fourth, third or fourth guy. If, if one of the top two guys were to miss some time, you know, as we're talking guys like uh, Lewis Hansen, uh, Colston Loveland, the true freshman, Matthew Hibner, uh, not quite sure. I know they're excited about Marlon Klein, but not somebody I'd peg as being on ready in year one necessarily. Uh, so, you know, Kind of my biggest thing, not not too much to elaborate on there either. Just really interested to see, you know, because two things. It's like Jim Harbaugh had a lot of good things to say about Hibner specifically last fall camp, but then we didn't really see a ton of him. And then we've heard nothing but great things about Colson Loveland um, when he was recruited, after he signed, spring, you know, we've – you know, everything, the, all the returns on him have been incredibly positive, you know. And so is it a situation where a true freshman comes in and passes a couple of former four-star level prospects? Uh, I wouldn't write it off. You know, I think what it will come down to, like we, like you mentioned in your strength, Zach, is, is how well do they acclimate themselves uh, to the blocking aspect of it. Right. I mean, that really might be where the, di- everyone's always enamored with the receiving it, the receiving part and, and making plays in the red zone or, uh, you know, splitting the seam, but blocking is as important, especially given the way Michigan likes to operate offensively, you know, so it could really could come down to who's the most advanced in that spot, which may give a more senior guy a better opportunity, but, you know, we've seen, 
we're seeing, we saw it more last year defensively, finally with, with Mike McDonald. Uh, but we've always seen at Michigan, not afraid to play young players on the offensive side of the ball if they believe they can contribute, you know. So if if Loveland is as good as it sounds like they think he is, you know, he may be the guy. So that, that'll be kind of interesting to me. Maybe something, maybe we'll get some kind of clarity there as fall camp continues. Uh, not certain on that, but always something, to, you know, kind of one of those things where, yeah, like you said, not really so much a question of concern, uh, but more like one of those questions I think fans really like to say, like, who, who'll, who'd be next, you know, after these uh, they're these two elite level options uh, are no longer in town. Yeah, well, and, and, and to that point, it sounds like all four of the top four tight ends would be gone after this season unless unless they really wanted to stick around and, and use their COVID year. I mean, Honigford and, and Schoonmaker – and Selzer, I think, are all fifth-year guys. All is a, is a fourth-year guy. So there, there's going to be some snaps available down the, down the road. And so who emerges? Because I, I think the best-case scenario for, for Michigan is that someone is, emerges and is what I would call unbenchable. Like, you have to put them in the game. Forget the politics of, of a senior leader or – you know, a really likable guy who's been around for a while. Like, they're, they're, you know, the, the best case scenario, I think, for Michigan is someone among that group. Maybe it's Loveland. You know, maybe it's Hibner, Hanson. You know, Max Bredesen maybe is someone. He, I know he had that big play in the spring game. Uh, is there someone that just is so good that they have to take him to road games and they have to put him in more often? Because that, that would be a sign of, of really promising things to come next season. Because you're right. You know, as much excitement as there is about the top four tight ends, Hibner played 26 snaps on offense last season. Hanson played two. Bredesen played one. Obviously, Loveland played zero because he was in high school. But it, it, there's definitely some opportunity there where if someone really steps up this fall, I don't think Michigan's going to withhold them from playing legitimate, you know, high-level snaps. And then that would really set them up for success next season. If they can have someone who has had that experience, who has, who has had that opportunity and, and showed what they can do uh, to the coaches, to the teammates, to their teammates, to the fans, um, because there will be, it, there seems like there will be an exodus of tight ends after this season. But before that happens, my question is, will Eric all make the leap? We are extremely enamored with Eric all as a blocker. I mentioned the block, the blocking stat a moment ago. I mentioned the receiving opportunity. He was, he was really efficient as a pass catcher. You know, think about a tight end. I mean, he wasn't running routes every time and he caught 38 catches on 48 targets. Um, You know, he, he made contested catches last season. I think he got over his whatever issues he had with the drops in 2020. So really emerged as a, as a very steady catcher. And, and then, honestly, he was just productive. Over the final seven games last fall, uh, including two where he was playing through an ankle injury, all had 27 catches in seven games on 33 targets for 314 yards and two touchdowns. If you were to extrapolate that over, over a 13-game season, that's a 600-yard pace. And that's nine and a half yards per target. I mean, that's... That's 
first team all Big Ten Mackey finalist type efficiency. I, I think Jake Butt was above 700 when he won the Mackey, but but he was considered one of the best tight ends in the country when he was above 500. So there, if he can continue the production level that he finished last season, then I think the di- the dimension of Michigan's offense changes. I think suddenly, you know, if you have a star tight end that's drawing double teams, that's drawing extra attention, just think about what that does for the run game, for the running backs that are trying to get open, for the receivers trying to run their routes. I think there's a there's a real opportunity because I think the skill is there. I think the the speed, the strength, uh, I, the the flexibility, the the route running precision. I think the fact that he can block so they don't have to take him off the field at any given time. I think that there's a really high ceiling for all. I think you could argue he was already there. He had 437 yards last season, but I think there's an even higher ceiling. I think there's a 600, 700 yard ceiling. I think he can be like Laporta, maybe not quite like Brock Bowers, but he can be in that kind of top tier of tight ends in the country. So yeah, will he make the leap? Or will or will he be just a very solid tight end? I don't think there's a, I don't think there's some terrible scenario where he, he he's a dud or anything. But is there? Can he get to that first team All Big Ten? Because I think right now he's pretty comfortably second or third team All Big Ten. You know, can he can he make that leap and be be an every game asset for Michigan's offense? Because that would change how they call plays. That would change. Um, you know, how, what they, what they can do with their passing offense. Uh, you know, it'll just change the dynamic of Michigan's offense altogether. And you saw bl- glimpses of it last season, but I do think that there's a higher gear. All right. Last thing for the tight ends, a prediction. I'm going to go with my, I'm going to go first with this one, just because mine's relatively quick and, and we're already kind of talking about it. I don't have a numbers or award or anything prediction for the tight end room this year, but you can, you can bookmark this one and come find me in April or maybe actually come find me next August. Cause I don't know if they'll get drafted, but I think both Eric all and Luke Schoonmaker will end up on NFL rosters. Not, not in training camp, the 53 man rosters by next season. I, you know, I just mentioned all and everything that he can do. Uh, but Luke Schoonmaker, you know, quietly very athletic. You know, six foot five, two hundred and fifty pounds. Um, you know, he in high school he ran multiple four point six forty yard dashes at two hundred and thirty pounds. Uh, he's he's kind of like Zach Gentry, where he's this very long former quarterback. Uh, kind of didn't have to learn the position quite as much as Gentry, but but had to learn it a little bit. Um, you know, probably was overlooked as a recruit similar to Sean McCune, just because he was from the Northeast and everything. So I think, I think Luke Schoonmaker, I, I don't know if it will show in like a 300 yard season this fall, but I think he's someone that NFL scouts are going to look at during the draft process and say, Oh, Oh, Michigan had two of these guys. Michigan had two guys who can play tight end and NFL level. Um, so I think they both do. That's, that's my prediction. It's kind of a different type of prediction because we can't check in on it, you know, eight weeks into the season. But I think they have two legitimate NFL guys who will play in the NFL next fall. Steve, do you have a prediction for the room? I'm going to stick with Colson Loveland and say I think he's Michigan's third tight end by the middle of October. I, I'm buying the 
buying the hype there. You know, true For freshman. Yeah, go ahead. Don't follow recruiting. What what do you like about his game, or what does Michigan like about his game that you think will allow him to elevate? I could see him used in some red zone packages, possibly, even maybe flex him out. Again, it really it, in the risk in this prediction is that you know, small town in Idaho maybe doesn't quite get all the way there as far as the actual speed of the game in terms like of the blocking learning assignments. It's something I don't think he probably had to do much of in high school. I know when Bryce went out and saw him live, uh, it was basically split him out, drop back and just throw the ball up to him and he would catch it over like three people. Um, You know, so not a lot of like blocking. And even if he did, he's was probably a lot bigger, like bigger than the offensive lineman. I'm sure that he was playing against. So, you know, not a real challenge for him in that area. Uh, but as far as what Michigan liked, I mean, really just – I know a lot of it was about ceiling, but then I think when Michigan went and watched him play, I think they saw they saw more polish than they expected given what I just mentioned, you know. So he's got the size. He's, he's got the – he's really – he has all the athletic – checks all the athletic boxes. Uh, but I think Michigan really, really liked uh, his makeup. And and his uh, sort of the sort of the intangible stuff, I guess, you know, as far as coming coming in ready to work, uh, picking the coach's brains while he was committed, not even like after he got on the campus, but just like, you know, one of those types of kids really, I guess, one of those guys that we when we talk about a guy that uh, when we're covering recruiting a guy that we're like, well, you know, this seems like the kind of guy that Harbaugh would really vibe with. Uh that's Colson Loveland. So, and again, I mean, really, we, we don't know much about Hibner or Hanson, uh, especially Hanson's not really one we've heard much about at all uh, since he's been on campus. Maybe he's ready to emerge. You know, I, it's hard to say. I, I, I just, I know how Michigan felt about Colson Loveland uh, coming in and I, it just seemed more like a higher level of excitement than probably almost anybody since Eric all, honestly, uh, you know, Eric all cemented like Michigan was all in on him after he like absolutely tore up uh, the camp, their camp between his junior and senior year. They were in love with him after that. And, you know, now, now we're here. It's sort of a similar sentiment about Loveland. They didn't, he didn't camp in person um, at least in Ann Arbor uh, before they took him or whatever, but, you know, we're talking about LSU, Auburn, uh, Alabama got involved late. This is a kid out of Idaho, you know, so a lot of reasons, but, but yeah, hopefully I laid them out nicely, but, but yeah, just a guy that yeah. I know that, that they're really excited about and they have been for a while. Yeah. He kind of does fit the profile. I mean, he's, it seems like Michigan does this all the time with tight ends, but he fits that profile of like an under underrated recruit. Uh, you know, his, his offer list is extremely high, that of a top 100 tight end. You know, Alabama was involved, LSU, Auburn. I mean, those all three of those schools have produced some, some pretty high-quality tight ends over the years. Um, late growth spurt, I think he was six foot four uh, just a year and a half ago, and now he's 6'6", maybe even 6'7", 79-inch wingspan. You know, he, he learned how to be a receiver when he was shorter and then suddenly he's, he's tight end sized. And so it'll be, uh, I, I kind of like that prediction because I think they could like put him in the slot right now. You know, I don't think he had, I mean, certainly I think 
he needs to be an inline blocker long-term, but I think for like little changes of paces, I think they could put him in the slot here and there just because he is that dynamic of a receiver. I feel like that's the word that came to mind. Granted all of his high school film, it's really hilarious. It's like watching, it's like watching you or I join like a middle school football game or something where he's just bigger than everybody. And, and just is outrunning everybody. But, but nonetheless, you know, the, the, a lot of those are traits of a guy who maybe, you know, his, the, the number, the ranking in the stars next to his recruiting profile don't match what he can bring. So, and, and I do think there is room for a third quote unquote star tight end to emerge. You know, it's it, not a diss on Joe Honigford or, or Carter Selzer, but I, I think Loveland, Hibner and Hanson, if any of them start to hit their ceiling or, you know, reach their potential, I think that they can be the number three tight end. So I like, I like that prediction. That's something, that's something we can check in on, you know, around mid-October when you, when you predict that it'll happen. For Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. That's going to do it for our tight end preview. Stay tuned for the offensive line preview coming up, along with uh, eventually we'll switch over to the defensive side of the ball. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. We'll see you next time.